now. It's a great pleasure to welcome back into the studio, probably for the last time this year, um, wonderful to have the Reverend Dr. Keith Garner of Sydney's Wesley Mission. Keith, lovely to have you with us again. And John, always a delight to be with you. Now, you're going to tell us about some uh, some good things going on at Wesley Mission for some of those, again, who seem to fall through the cracks. We're talking about mothers with uh, complex mental health needs and your, uh, your little project to help them remain with their kids through some of the most difficult periods. Well, it's not often we talk about doing something in a world first, but this is one of them. Uh, this program doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, and so it was quite something when, well, first of all, uh, Canberra said they'd get behind it and, and threw their hat in, you know. First of all, where'd the idea come from? Well, we, we, <laughs> we, we knew that we had to do something with, with, for mums, and we knew that the old model, that when there's a problem, a mental health problem with a mum, you often separate the, the mum from the, the families, was not only not a good model, Mm. It, it actually contributed to more breakdown in society and community. Mm. So bringing that together was was critical. We knew we also needed some residential care. Uh, we have a residential uh, place. I'll, call, I'll say it's in Western Sydney, uh, but it's a place where 22 uh, mums and families are able to get 24-7 care. And, and we're able to keep all the support networks around them, family, friends, doctors, all the people that they're used to in their community can be part of this programme. So it's been very exciting. Is then, this a model that you can export? Are you, you developing yeah. a model and you can say, look, if you take our model, we're happy to help you develop it um, in your areas. Or it's, it's, this is, this is a, a world first that you're saying this is transportable. Yeah, look, it's a world first. And when Prue Goward came from New South Wales government, when we had a... a she uh, came from the ABC first. Yeah, of course. We claim ownership You first. said that. I wouldn't dream of saying that, but it's absolutely right. And when she, when she came for, for what really was a three-year funding from New South Wales government, who could see the benefit of this and had the, the means to do it, she, and she's very good in the mental health area, let me say, and especially uh, women who, who have suffered abuse and, and all that kind of story. And she actually came and said, if this works, She'd like to see it, first of all, across this state and other states across Australia. I think it will work. Mm. And, and up to now, we've had 73 mothers and, 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 and uh, families through the programme. And in every case, we've managed to find them homes and places to go to when they've come out of the programme. So that's really How long good. does the programme last? Oh, well, it, 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 can, it can vary, but it's a case of months. It's not, not a brief in and out uh, mm. situation. Um, everybody's in a, a very different situation, of course. It's not a one-cap mm. fit it's all but it really is a place where they can learn lots of the skills that are necessary um, for, for having uh, children and we know that so these are basic parenting skills basic parenting skills and and also that the skills that are necessary to be able to start living life with a child mm. uh, which is a very very uh, different place and mental health issues are almost everywhere what you know? are the range of issues you're dealing with here and from the parents perspective. Oh, huge. And that's why we need uh, the kind of tailored treatment that we'll, that we'll see. It can be anything from from uh, depression or complex needs, complex mental health needs um, that will Im help to give them care and family relational stuff. So from everything from, say, what used to be called postnatal depression right through to how serious would be it? Oh, yes. Look, and you'd add to that financial counselling, you'd add to it all the how can I now manage to put my life together? Um, 
um, situation. We've had everything from from people who haven't known where to turn to empowering people on the journey to recovery. That's all part of this this programme. And really, what is critical is that it's not a case of you come in on day one, you're out. It's the, the aftercare, the transition back into community. All of that's very exciting, really. And, and does it work on a mentoring model? You have somebody with the person for much, or does it work on a clinical model where they come in and... A little bit of both. It's, mm-hmm. it's clinical, but it's also uh, very much people uh, working in, in a community. People, perhaps people who would struggle on their own, find themselves put alongside others. It's very, very much a place to um, uh, enjoy life again, you know, because it can really be difficult. Is there a geographic proximity? No, it's all over. All over. Uh, some of the people come from outside of Sydney that come to this. Um, but our hope really is that we can spread this outside. So they'd come in to... Some of those would come in, but we would keep the contact with their local GP. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily residential. It, residential? it is residential for 22, right. but there are others that are being helped by. But it's essentially 22 families at this stage uh, in that place. Um, and it's costing a fair bit of money. Mm. Uh, that we're throwing in. New South Wales government have been marvellous. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of Prugauer's commitment to it because it's it's really a good example of where government and an NGO can really work. It's the sort of quantum too. This is not a 500-bed unit. This is just the right kind of size that enables people to get their feet back on the ground again. Of course, you're a large enough NGO, still modest, but a large enough NGO to have the proper accountability and transparency to enable that sort of complex operation to take place. Yes, and also, John, I would also say the wraparound services that yes. mean that if there's a specific need, it's not long before we're able to go and get help with that because housing is a big issue. When people are in this situation, when they leave, they need to go back into independence of life in the community and we do have those kind of housing, homelessness services that enable people. And, you know, I, I'm saying it for a second time because I'm very proud of this, that 73 women and children have been through not one of them have left in a homeless situation and that means we've worked with them very carefully that doesn't happen in an afternoon you you work with a person from the moment they come in to say how can we help this person on their own two feet to get out of this place how long's the program been going now oh well it started in 2014 mm-hmm. initially um but really the program has now got three extended years now to be able to develop it further so you've had time to do some assessment of its worth and, and work through some some of the, the teething problems. Yes, and we've it's done... It's now really a mature operation. Yeah, we've done the kind of audit you'd expect yeah, of the right. programme, and some teething is obviously going to happen in a situation like that, but it's really very, very... We've got some very lovely staff, we've got some great teams, and what's most important of all is we've got people who can see that this is just an opportunity for them when they come in. Some of these mums are just so delighted about it you know yeah. as we are we don't think we've done all this but we just think we're part of a story of our community giving a message out and we need that message to go out to people the mental health issues it's not that long ago that these sort of situations would mean that a mum would be taken into a hospital and the child would be taken away from mum and separated completely and we know from other areas of our work and, and other organisations like us we've had to deal with some of those family situations so for us this is key Keeping it together. It's linked to another question that, that you must have at least anecdotal experience of. You have this strange situation where um, prison rates in New South Wales are going up, the government's buying into new jails, yet the crime rate seems to be rather static. So what you're looking at is prisons 
copying its fair share of people who are mentally ill, who are drug dependent or in other ways not healthy. And this is happening in the women's prison population as well. Is there a link there between the sort of service you're providing and those who would otherwise or may have been in contact with the, the justice system? Look, I, c- I can only say to you that I was talking to a woman who just come out of prison in this kind of situation. Um, recidivism, which is not the word you should ever say in a, in a, <laughs> in, in a situation, is a real fear that yeah. when people do go through a prison, they come out, it's just a journey back. And really, it's very, very important that we don't make... My view is it's far too many people in our prisons in Australia who shouldn't be in our prisons, who should be found somewhere else to be able to care for them but finding that care finding the resources to do it is very very difficult and and for women there 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 have not been in every area from homelessness to mental health issues there has not been the support and the facilities made available for women you've been at wesley now for um 11 years i'm just gonna say it must be the decade yeah that's right i know i look very young still that's that What's been the, the nature of the change you've noticed with the sorts of services you're delivering over those years? Well, a lot's happening at the moment, as we know, with, with the National Disability Insurance Scheme, yeah. consumer-directed care. Basically, the big change that has happened is that the client, the person that you're seeking to work with, is right at the centre of things. Now, that is absolutely right, let me say. I don't resist that at all. I think it's absolutely right. But it's a sea change. I think so much of the work that went on in the community to help people who had knees was very much philanthropic. It was, we're doing this for you, um, or at best, we're doing it alongside you. But now it's a case of saying, well, you're giving the power to people who need services and saying to them, go out there and find the best service. It's a nerve-wracking time. You're no no longer sort of dispensing a service to someone, you're walking with them. And that seems to be a general change that's come across a lot of the charitable sector over recent years but of course the burden for that and really delivering it depends on those (laughs) who profess it the most and that's the churches and the churches haven't had a particularly good track record over the last 15 years or so in in the public mind on a lot of this stuff. I think that's the important word in the public mind. One has to say at the same time that there are many in the private sector that are talking about these issues. Look, I I do not believe that caring for people is about making money. Mm. And and I think that there may well be those who, just as they did, as you know, with people like Wilmer, did all those studies in terms of the job network. Uh, we, We know that there were many that came in to do that work. Look, the one thing that I hope does not happen is Australia uh, forgets that that it's built so much of the excellent work it's done on the back of NGOs that have not been in there first for profit. They've been in for something else. One has to admit when 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 you don't get that right. Um, but I I I I resist naming organisations. Obviously, now that's why I mentioned that point earlier about the the, the ability of a, a place like Wesley to be large enough to hold the proper accountability and transparency structures over these programs because it gives you the opportunity to run a range of programs because you do have those accountability structures built in. Well, when I came 11 years ago, I had to make a choice. We either focus on one or two or three or four key areas or we keep the broad scheme. But the only way in keeping the broad spectrum of services is if you actually have the infrastructure and the joined-up ways of thinking and acting to pull 
them together. And of course, the emphasis today is very much on compliance and getting things right and doing, and that's absolutely the case. And it's right that it's like that. But I think um, what will happen, I suspect, and this look a bit of futurology in, in the sector here, that many smaller agencies may suffer in this new world that we're moving into because they they won't have the capacity to be able to provide all that back of house stuff, the compliance and all the things that's necessary to do it. I think I think that's a, a sad thing because some of the most amazing work, what we've just been talking about, is really a rather small piece of work as part of the whole. And it, it comes because perhaps one or two people have an idea and they can take it to somebody like yourself and you say, we can run with that. But that takes... A, a a critical mass to be able to say we can run with that. How did this idea come to you, come well, to your people? Well, it, because many of our people were working with mums and they were working with the children's situation and, and they said, well, can't we do something? But I have to say, to be able to get something up and running like this, you have to have some resources to make it possible to do it. You have to have the commitment of a team, a board, a, a leadership that says, we'll have a go at this. It could have gone dreadfully wrong, and we might not have been sat here, you know, two years down the road, talking about now a three-year extension and building on that in the future. But that went well, and we were able to iron out, but I suspect it's going to be more and more difficult. And we need entrepreneurs. We need people who are willing to try new things and do new things. But I have to say, 11 years on, uh, and I don't think we, we are living in an easier community or society. I think uh, money is driving many, many things today, and in the end of the day, it isn't about that, it's about people. Mm. It's a problem too as we're getting to a society which is saying that we've, we've got to be more accountable with the money, we've got to be tighter with the money, the public demands better governance standards, yet the needs are increasing. But the old voluntary and community sector that used to be there in great numbers is actually shrinking at the same time. So you're getting a hole in the middle there that used to be filled by a huge volunteer sector. Now, Australians are still great volunteers, but the places where they can do that are not as not in every community the way they once were. For you at Wesley, your volunteers are still very much part of the operation. <laughs> They are, John, but it's changed, I have to say. Gone are the days when somebody says, uh, Bill and Elsie uh, come every, every Wednesday and they have done on that day for the last 42 years. That's what they do. It, it can't be like that anymore. Uh, I think also um, we need to recognise that the same stringency that has to be there for staff has to be there with volunteers. When you're talking about working alongside people in their need, you have to be certain that the same checks and, and the same Assurances are given yes, there. Police checks are required for everything. For, for everything, and it's yes. right. It is. We know all too all too well why that why that has to be the case. Uh, but I think we have to say we need to rediscover that volunteering is not actually allowing the commercial centre to be able to tick its, its box and say we've done our volunteer bit now in the community. But it's enabling people, and 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 the commercial world is very much at the heart of this. Uh, when people go for a job interview now, it's not just that they're being interviewed. I think the employer is interviewed by the person being uh, sat there and they want to know what opportunities have we got to commit positively in our community and I think we've got to rediscover what that whole volunteering world is about because it's a partnership between volunteers and staff and community and when you get all that in lined up properly when all the ducks are in a row lots of things, good things can happen. Can I ask you one other thing about that and that is there is a lot of talk 
these days about extended life, you know, people living into their 90s, and basically post-retirement is a whole new opportunity for people. They can, they've got another 20 years, and the vol- people are saying the volunteer sector is really important for this. If the volunteer sector woke up to this, there could be a whole range of extended opportunities from very talented people. When I came 11 years ago, I said to my office, I want to write a personal letter and greeting to be read out when everybody reaches the age of 100, wherever it is in our services. Do you know, I'm writing a lot more of those letters today than when I first <laughs> arrived. People are living longer. I think people's expectations are higher. But also, John, in there, a fear about what it's going to be like. Will I have enough money to live? Will I? All of that is around And where too. will I find meaning? Yep. As, as other things fall away from me. And we have aged care villages now and the average age in which people come in is, is much, got an eight in front of it in, in most cases now. And that really is a, an amazing statement about living longer. But I think people who are 85 still want to do something with their life. They don't see themselves as sitting back doing nothing. And I think that's just going to be increasingly the case. Let's then come back finally to where you hope this programme will go. Uh, I mentioned earlier, is there a chance for this to be a model which can be taken up elsewhere? Uh, yeah, look, I think that this programme, if it's effective, will, pre- will prevent many of these women going into hospitalisation situations. I think it will be... Um, an early, I don't like to just use the word early intervention, but it will be an early way in which we're able to put lives together again. And I think that that really will be the best thing it can do. And in a world of where domestic violence is on the uh, on the radar too, an important um, intervention there. And DV is a big, big issue. This whole domestic violence issue cannot, and men should be talking about it. We don't just need uh, Rosie Batty to give us a, a story of, of what's happening. We need men to stand up and speak about it too. And organisations like ourselves have to join with the rest of the community and say, this is not a small issue on the side. It's a major issue and it's an issue we've got to address. The Reverend Dr Keith Garner, great to have you with us and uh, great work you're doing at Wesley. Um, continue the inspiration for the rest of the community and uh, hopefully we can pop along and join you sometime and have a look around for ourselves. And thanks for all that you guys do. Reverend Keith Garner on Sunday nights. This has been a podcast of Sunday nights on ABC Local Radio. Thank you for listening.